Thank you for checking out this episode of Raised on the Radio from the CEP Network. If you like what you hear, do us a favor and hit that subscribe button and give us that five-star rating. And while you're at it, give us a like and a share on the socials and tell all your friends about the variety that you get right here on the CEP Network. The CEP Network now has a promo code for one of the best nutrition and supplement companies in the business for you, the listener, to use. Just go to truenutrition.com, look at all their great products, place your order, and when you go to make your payment, type in C-E-P-N in the promo code box for 5% off of your entire order. It's that easy. We are excited to be able to promote such a great company and happy that our listeners get to benefit from it as well. In this episode, Patrick and I talk about the recent passing of legendary St. Louis Cardinals pitcher Bob Gibson and iconic guitarist Eddie Van Halen. We chat about Machine Gun Kelly and crossing genres in music and UFC cards coming up and much, much more. If you would like to get a hold of Patrick Blair or myself, you can reach out on the social medias. You can reach us on the Cerebral Entertainment Podcast, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. And if you have any topics you would like to hear us cover about music, sports, or pop culture, email us at cerebral at thecepodcast.com. Now, let's get into the episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Raised on the Radio. I am one half of the show, Cole Brocato, my good friend in Zoom land, Patrick Blair, And sir, I'm on cloud nine right now for two reasons. For one, because I just signed on a new house today, so it's officially considered mine. And number two, today turned into my cheat meal day, and I just scarfed down two Big Macs and a large fry. So, yes. I can't believe you wasted a cheat meal on that dog shit. That's depressing. I don't have the options that you do in your area. Two Big Macs. Oh, that's the word. Why didn't you go to a Wendy's? If you're going to eat fast food. I don't have a, I, the closest Wendy's is 45 minutes away. You remember I live in the woods, right? They don't just randomly put Wendy's in the woods. There's a Wendy's everywhere. <laughs> Actually, I used to have so you, one and then they closed it down. So you're, So that was your cheat meal, huh? It was. I'm just glad to have carbs kind of, back. For today, were you not eat the? What are you on a diet right now, or what? I am. I'm What's the diet? Ketoing it up, which I've been I've been solid for three three weeks. Yeah, and today was a good day to celebrate with some carbs, and I might even throw back some bushes when I get done here. Oh boy, I know, completely right? out of contention. Huh? Uh huh. I party. You know how it. You know how it goes. Well, congrats on your three weeks of being keto and your terrible cheat day. Thank you. Appreciate that. You know who wouldn't, you know, who wouldn't appreciate your cheat day? The rock. His cheat days are much better. Why did did I know you were going to say that? Because his cheat days are awesome. They are awesome, dude. He eats like eight pans of cookies and a stack of pancakes Um, that are the size of my torso. Yeah, yeah. The last one, the last one I saw that I remember seeing was a big bowl of pasta. And this wasn't a bowl. This was a pot (laughs) of pasta. And I want to say he had cookies or something like that. And he's always drinking that tequila. He promotes with it. Terramana. Sure. Sure. Um, Well, you know, that's his tequila, right? Which is funny. I mean, I figured it was, but, you know, or he had something to do with it, which is fine. Um, I'm not a big tequila person. Especially like drinking it straight like that. That's like I can have a margarita, one or two, but ugh, I don't know. 
I feel like Other there's I feel like there's tequila people and there's bourbon or whiskey people. Like when it comes to being able to sit and just sip on a hard liquor. I mean, there's some vodka people out there too. Those people are insane. And I guess they're mainly in Russia. But still. I'm one of those. You can just sit and just sip like just straight vodka? Vodka rocks? Yeah, absolutely. Really? Oh, yeah. So like definitely. A, like a Tito's on the rocks you're fine with? Um, I won't do, no. Well, I mean, I could, you know, if that was my only option. But if I'm going to go straight rocks, I'm actually going to get like a higher end tequila. Are you Grey Goose oh, it up? Vodka. Is that what you're telling me? I don't like Grey Goose. Oh, you don't? Okay. I don't like no, no, I don't like Grey Goose. I, I would do, if they had Belvedere, I would do Belvedere. And if they don't have Belvedere, I would go Kettle over Grey Goose. And if I'm in a place that actually has Ciroc, I would get Ciroc. Okay, so you've been a, you've, you've been a bartender said. in your life. So yeah. give me an average now of, if you go into a bar and you order, a say, what, a double shot of Ciroc on the rocks? Do you do on the rocks? Or do you just do straight? I like rocks. With vodka, yes, for okay, sure. Okay, so what's that going to run you per glass? Double Ciroc on the rocks. Uh-huh. Um, what kind of area of town are we in? <laughs> I figured that was going to come up. I don't know. Any question? Um, if we're, yeah, it just depends. If we're in, if we're in Clayton, that's probably going to run me uh, twenty-four bucks. Probably. Oh my god! I hope that's a short night. I mean, that's not too bad. That's insane. Um, um but look, there are hood bars you can go to, or you can get a double shot of sort, and it's not even going to be a double. It's going to be a quadruple, and you're going to pay eight dollars. It's so, probably not really Ciroc Um, if you really drink Ciroc and someone tried to fool you, you would know. Really? Ciroc has a very distinct taste. Yes. It's, um, it's distilled with grapes. So it has a very distinct taste okay. more so than, um, a typical vodka is going to be distilled with potatoes. Right. Um, you can definitely tell the difference. Um, so and I, in fact, I think I want to say Grey Goose is distilled the same way, but I'm not a huge fan of Grey Goose. So anyway, um, yeah, the, the the tequila like that. It's just I, I think tequila tastes good. Like if I'm at a function and everybody's like, we're going to do a shot of tequila. OK, I'm, I'm only allowed one. Otherwise, I turn into a gremlin. But um, it tastes good. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I just can't fathom sitting there and sipping on it. Like I'm going to have to shoot it back and call it a day. You right. know what I mean? Uh-huh. I just can't, you know, just sitting there sipping. It just seems odd. Yeah. I, 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 get, I get that. But, it, it, I'm, I'm kind of the same way. Like if it's, I can sit and sip on a bourbon or a whiskey, but when it comes to a tequila, I'm shooting that. And then going back to what I was sipping on or gulping down, I guess if, it, if I'm drinking beer and I decide to do a tequila shot or something like that, but that's a very rare occasion that anything like that happens anymore, at least. Yeah. Whiskey's always been an odd one to me too, for the people that like to just shoot whiskey. It just seems bizarre. It's gotta be a lower, like like for me, it's gotta be a lower end if you're just going to shoot it. Yeah. But even like, 
sipping on Jack Daniels or Jim Beam, if it's on the rocks, like that's not bad. I know it's a lower end bourbon. Yeah, I get it. But like, um, and Jack Daniels is wait, is Jack Daniels a bourbon or is that a mash? I can't remember. Either way, um, <laughs> it just always it it just seems like I don't know. It feels like some like my wife heard when she was a drinker, which she's not anymore necessarily. Uh, Jameson was her go-to and she would just fuck that shit up, man. I don't know. There is something, I can't do it. There is something about regular, just the triple distilled Jameson that, like when when I can take a shot of it, but if I do, I mean, my whole body just shakes. (laughs) Like it's, it's one of those where you got to shake it down into your stomach. (laughs) Yeah. Were you when you were in Tennessee recently, did you get any moonshine? I can't remember if you told me that or not. Not this last time we didn't. Okay. Yeah, we uh we were gonna go to the distillery, but we didn't. But we when we stopped at um a liquor store, uh we grabbed a few little like jars of it. I can't it's too sweet, man. I just couldn't do any of it. Like if it's regular moonshine, then it just tastes like fucking rubbing alcohol you pulled from the toilet and then if it's flavored it's just sugar i can't do it i can't i couldn't do it i took one tiny tiny sip of like maybe it was an apple pie or something i was like ah i can't this is not for me have you Um, have you ever done a moonshine tasting no 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 they give you these little bitty cups they're literally like this big and they normally have like a variety on a list of maybe like 10 of them and then they'll go down yeah. the list and ask you and give everyone one and then give you ask you if you want this one. You can buy you can opt out of different flavors if you want and stuff like that. But right. even those little cups, man, once you take 10 of those deals, it I mean, you I'm not saying you're going to be drunk, but you're going to have there's going to be a little bit of a buzz there. I'll have diarrhea for sure. <laughs> but, <laughs> same thing, I guess. For right. <laughs> have the sugar shits, man. Um, <laughs> yeah. Fuck. We need to, uh, we cannot forget to do this. We need to, uh, we need to pay our respects on this podcast too. Well, 2020 has been a bitch. I think we, everyone can ad- admit to that. Absolutely. Uh, for multiple reasons, obviously for obvious reasons, but also the passing of, of, of specific people. So after our last podcast, I think two hours later, I saw that Bob Gibson died, um, which was, for those listening that don't know, he is a Hall of Fame pitcher from the St. Louis Cardinals. Basically revolutionized the game. The mound is the height it is because of Bob Gibson and Really? Um so what can, do you yeah, know yeah. do you have a reasoning behind that? Because he was too good. He was just so dominant that they thought that the velocity that he had and the arm angle that he had and the height that the mound was. And don't ask me the specifics on what it used to be. Right. I can't remember. Um which I probably should, but I don't. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he, he had such a dominant season that they lowered the mound. They thought this is probably an unfair advantage for someone that is this good. His, it was the 68 season. He had a 1.12 ERA for the entire season. Jeez. He had 14 shutouts, I want to say. Like, it, it just ridiculous. Ridiculous. And the funny thing was, is like he had a, a handful of losses too. 
even with a 1.12 ERA. So if you think about just how dominant he was and still losing games, like, um, <clears throat> so anyway, he passed away. Um, he had a good run. He was in his eighties. Um, but uh, you know, for people here in St. Louis, like he's royalty, like that's baseball royalty, like, and he's, you know, he's one of the greatest pitchers of all time. I think to most people who would make the argument, I think he's in the top five. Um, so let me, we don't have to go too deep into this, but let me ask you this. So, you know, you always have like your arguments between people about like old versus new and, you know, how players used to be versus how players are now in all these different sports and how they, how somebody in the old, like in the sixties or seventies would play against somebody now because games have, you know, revolutionized and they've improved and things like that. So my question is, Bob Gibson, you bring him to today. Is he still as dominant as he was back then? Yes, and he's even more dominant. Really? Yeah. Yeah. He was he was a special kind of pitcher. Okay. Like, yeah, yeah. No, I believe he would still be dominant. Yes. yes. Okay. He threw hard. His slider was ridiculous. I mean, he was – he the, – the way he pitched again, like I think pitchers still are trying to mimic the way that he pitched and the type of pitches that he threw and the actual action that he had on pitches. And um, like his slider was unhittable. Like that slider stands the test of time. That slider is good back then. And that slider is good now, regardless of the height of the mound, regardless of what the fuck these guys are taking these days. Like it doesn't matter. It had, it does, it does not matter. Um, so yeah, no, I truly would still be dominant. Yes. The height of the mound thing kind of blows my mind because, and maybe I just, I'm not an engineer, but I, I don't, I would think that it would be harder to say like hit home runs or hit the ball higher. If you're on a level, more level ground from like with the pitcher and the batter being on more level ground than if the pitcher is higher because they're throwing the ball at a downward angle as well which gets the bat up yeah. underneath the ball, which forces it higher in the air. Does that make sense? But not necessarily. Okay. Not necessarily. So you got to look at it this way. For a lot of those pitches and a lot of those where those pitches are located, you need to be on top of the ball, not underneath the ball. Okay. Here's the problem. For a guy like that, who he was also tall, I think he was six four. Okay. I'm going to verify that while I'm talking. But So for a guy like that, you got to look at it this way. He's throwing a slider. That slider is starting above your fucking head. Right. And it's ending outside of the strike zone below your knees. And you only have a split second to see it in the strike zone. Like, um, just unbelievable, unbelievable uh, stuff. Like when it comes to his pitches and how they looked, I can't imagine being a hitter and actually trying to hit when he was on his game, you know, mm-hmm. he was 84 years old. Damn. Um, How did he die? Was it just old, old age or was it? Cancer. Dang. I want to say, uh, let me see. I'm on his Wikipedia here now. Just to give you some of his. So two time World Series MVP. Two-time Cy Young winner, nine-time Gold Glove winner, 
the NL wins leader in 1970, ERA leader in 1968. That was the year it was a 1.1, which is still untouchable. No one's ever going to touch that. Pancreatic cancer. Dang. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, he would he would still be dominant today. A pitcher like that or a pitcher with those skills would still be dominant today. Um, if I had to pick, like, I don't know. I mean, people do this, but someone modern day era or of like of this era of, I mean, he's retired now, but CC Sabathia always reminded me. And I never saw Bob Gibson play, obviously, but when I look at videos of him and like watch, um, CC Sabathia reminded me of him so much. Okay. Um, so, um, so yeah, that very, very sad for, you know, baseball fans in, in St. Louis. He was a, you know, one of the, one of the favorites, one of the greats, um, actually did get to meet him twice. And he was a very, very cool dude. Do we have a stand? Everybody always talked about how like, um, intense he was. And he was like, had this like stern demeanor and he did like, he controlled the room for sure, but he was just still, he was, uh, while it was intense, he was down to earth. At least that's what I, maybe it's cause I was a little kid. And, and then uh, the first time I met him, I was a little kid. I was at a, a legends softball game that he was playing in. And actually, I don't even know if that he played. I think he just uh, made an appearance and uh, got his autograph on a glove that I still have somewhere. I don't know where the hell it is. But there are a bunch of like <clears throat> Cardinal legends and, you know, former Major League Baseball legends there. And then I was at a baseball camp that he made a guest appearance at. And we actually didn't know that when I signed up for it. So that was fucking, that was nuts. Because I was 13, I want to say. Yeah, I think I was 13. Um, and so that was totally different. Now this is like a coaching moment, like a teaching moment. That's when he was really intense. Right. But, you know, he was glued to everything he was saying. Um, and clearly his advice worked for me. Um, <laughs> yeah, sad, 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 sad for St. Louis Cardinal fans and baseball fans in general. Do we have a statue of he, him? People love to. Do we have a statue of him at Bush Stadium? Oh, yeah. We do? Okay. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, man, he's one of, I mean, when you think of St. Louis Cardinal, like all-time great St. Louis Cardinals, there's, you know, there's Stan Musial, there's Bob Gibson, there's Lou Brock, Ozzie Smith, and then probably now Albert Pujols, now right. that everyone's over the fact that he left. Um, Jeez, how many years did that take? <laughs> Right, we don't we don't we don't tend to get over things here in the city. It's very it's easily. very true. We're still, you know, well, well, we, as people were cacawing in their Rams jerseys. I was just gonna say, are we ever gonna are we ever gonna get over the fact that the Rams left? No, no. People with those Stan Kroenke dolls <laughs> sit in their basement, probably throw darts at them all the time. <laughs> um, and then fucking Eddie Van Halen died, man. That's nuts, right? I mean, it, well, look, I know I, he's been battling throat cancer for years now. Right. And the same with Bob Gibson. I mean, he, you know, this pancreatic cancer was no secret. It wasn't like total shock, but still it's, you know, Eddie Van Halen, like, I, I, well, again, it was a situation where, of course, 
I don't spend my life online. So I didn't find out. My wife found out and told me. And my response was, no, he didn't. She goes, yep. I'm like, God damn it. Like it, um, <clears throat> that was, uh, you know, even still, even if it's, if it's expected, you just, that's, that's a bl big blow to so many people. I mean, he was so many people's like any, any you know, musician moving forward from him, period. I mean, I mean, have you ever heard anybody that didn't, I wouldn't say idolized, but didn't have a massive respect for Eddie Van Halen? If you don't, you're a dickhead. Right. Yeah, I mean, for, for real. I mean, people can say what they want about Van Halen breaking up and then Sammy Hagar replacing David Lee Roth and then Gary Sharon replacing Sammy Hagar and then David Lee Roth coming back. And the reason that all this went down is because of Eddie and Alex Van Halen. Whatever. So what? Do you like music? Right. Oh, you do? Okay. Then you need to respect what Eddie Van Halen did with the electric guitar. Right. He's one of the pioneers of electric guitar. And, you know, so like, um, yeah, man, just so many people's like inspiration to play and, you know, people try to mimic his style and just try to do what he did. And well, did you, did you hear what his reasoning, level. his reasoning for getting throat cancer was? Uh, I want to say that I've heard this. Do you know? Well, for apparently from what he says is that the reason why he got throat cancer is because he always had metal picks in his mouth that he played with metal picks and he always had one in his mouth. So he said, he said, apparently he said that it wasn't because of all the cigarette smoking that he did. It was because of metal picks. I don't know if he ever, if he got actually got that information from a doctor or if he just decided that I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm going to go with it because I don't want to speak ill of the dead. I agree. And I agree. I'll go with that. I was going to ask, has this been verified by a doctor, but whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, it doesn't matter. So, um, so quick question, David Lee Roth or Sammy Hagar. Um, are you, we don't, I don't think we've ever talked about Sammy Hagar on the show before. Are you a Sammy Hagar fan in general? Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm not like a giant Sammy Hagar fan. No, but I mean, there were songs that he did with Van Halen that I like, and he has solo or, you know, Sammy Hagar songs that I like as well. Um, but if I'm going Van Halen, I'm going David Lee Roth. Okay. Um, only because I got exposed to that at a very young age. Um, so it, it, it holds a special place in my heart. Um, so, so very young as in... And it was by accident, too. It's like very young as in like what's, what's your age frame you're talking about? As early as I can remember, like hearing music and wanting to play music. Yeah. Well, that was going to be my next question. Like, do you... Can you think of like an age or around an age where you like music really triggered something with you when you wanted to be a musician? What age? Yeah. Um, well, the, around the age that I'm talking about when I discovered, uh, Van Halen. So I was probably like eight, but we had a, we had Van Halen two on vinyl at our house. Okay. We had a couple, like, we had several vinyl records. Um, and we had a record player 
Um, so I just honestly, one day I think I was being a little shit and I was going through cabinets and drawers and just because I'm an asshole and I was nosy and <laughs> thought it was like, like, what am I going to find? Like, like I was hunting for treasure, um, found these vinyl, uh, all of these vinyl records. So there was Van Halen two, there was, um, Michael Jackson, the, um, thriller record. Is that record called bad? I always get confused on it. Uh, or maybe it's called thriller, whatever. Um, Beatles, hard days, night, like all these records, Fleetwood Mac, um, so put on Van Halen too. And like, I just remember going, wow, this is, this is crazy at a very young age. Um, but the, the one that really got me when I was that young was Jimi Hendrix. I think I've told this story before, but I was at a, a neighborhood friend's house. He had this older brother whose room was in the basement. He was kind of like, had all these like hippy dippy, like, you know, had his, had his room decorated like a teenager would. There were lava lamps and incense burning, all this shit, you know, and um, he had a VHS tape of Jimi Hendrix playing. And I remember walking into the basement. I think we wanted to play as Nintendo or something. And I remember walking into the basement and he had Jimi Hendrix on the television. And I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like, I just remember, like my, I just remember being so confused yet. So like fascinated by it. And just, you know, I just, that's, that was like the real moment when I remember that but so yeah with Van Halen it would be David Lee Roth just because you know I was like I said eight nine years old listening to Van Halen too you know not knowing what it was not knowing who they were just sort of listening just being mesmerized by it all so now your parents so those were your parents records is that the kind of music they listened to or is that just like I've never really got I've never really got a clear answer on this. I don't know where the records came from. <laughs> Real. Um, so there, no, so there's no listen. story like my parents listened to badass music growing up and that's how I got into badass music and wanted to be a musician. And this no, and no, no. you're just like, I randomly found some records in my house that I d- do or do not belong to my parents. <laughs> well, I have a sister that's 10 years older than me. So, the story goes is that she were, they were sort of like handed down to her. Right. Okay. And she did listen to rock music of the time. You know, she was at the Guns N' Roses concert where Axel punched the, uh, the photographer and got banned from St. Louis. Oh, really? She's actually at that. Wow. Yeah. But she doesn't really have a clear, indi- there was no clear indication as to where they came from and who gave them to her. And, you know, no, my parents didn't listen to stuff like that. My, my mom played piano around me and that's, that was really, I, I, to be honest, I don't know who my parents listened to. My mom's like a huge Michael Jackson, like super fan now. Okay. Like she goes to see Michael Jackson, like tribute artist all the time. But I, I always give her shit. I'm like, I don't remember you liking Michael Jackson when he was alive. So what's the real story behind this? This is odd. Is this, but, in the, is this in the St. Louis area? Do they have no, Michael Jackson? Like, no. No, they'll go to like um, Vegas and oh, okay. uh, like Nashville maybe. And I think maybe he plays Branson, maybe. Okay. Um, 
I say there's only one band that does like a whole lot of tribute stuff out of St. Louis that I know of, unless you know more of them. That uh, Sean Canaan's Voodoo Players. Have you heard of them? No idea. They do like they'll have different nights where they're doing a tribute to different people. Like they may do a night of Prince. They may do a night of Michael Jackson. They'll play like uh, places like the Broadway Oyster Bar and stuff like that. Okay. But yeah, it's the only, okay. that's, that's why I asked. I didn't know if there was more like tribute type bands or artists out there in the St. Louis area or not. Um, well, there's the, the, the really pop, well, Dr. Chivagas, you know who that is? Mm, I've never heard of that. Anyway, they, <laughs> they're like a, they're like a well-known, um, tribute band. Okay. And they've been around forever. Okay. Um, and they'll do everything at least they used to i've only seen them once but um <clears throat> so yeah man i you know it sucks eddie van halen you know i i haven't listened to van halen in, in a long i mean i listen to all the you know the obvious records and songs and i don't do that on a regular basis either um but it is still good to listen to some of that stuff every once in a while um <laughs> But yeah, he's a pioneer of the electric guitar. I, when I started playing guitar, everyone over the age, so when I was, you know, eight to 10 years old, everyone I met or everyone that tried to teach me guitar, talk to me about guitar, if they were over the age of 21, Eddie Van Halen was always one of the first names they mentioned. Um, at least that's the way that I remember it. So, yeah, man, sucks. Meanwhile, Ozzy Osbourne still kicking, still <laughs> plugging away. Somehow, everyone on, huh? Somehow, my fa- my be a vampire. My favorite portrayal of him is from The Dirt. That whole yeah, thing, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? The whole thing by the the yeah. pool. So gross. Is that when he sniffed the ants? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. I don't know. Has he ever been portrayed in another movie? I don't know. Has he? I'm trying to think about that. Maybe in, like, I know Black Sabbath was in Almost Famous, but I don't know if Ozzy was necessarily. Yeah, I don't know. He might he, he might not have been. So, yeah, that was a good one. The Dirt. That was a that was a fun movie. It was. And you. It was. I asked. I think I asked. If you've read the book and you said I don't read, that so, that definitely sounds like a statement that I would have made. I almost made the mistake of asking again, but <laughs> yeah, that movie was crazy. It was nuts out of the gate, but it it's kind of like what you expected on a Motley Crue movie. Well, that's I mean the reason I ask if you've read the book is the book is actually worse. Really, the movie's fun and sort of out of control at times, but. It's got nothing on the book. Some of the stories in the book, you're going to be like, come on. <laughs> they have to be lying. Uh, but it's funny that you mentioned that. Someone who was in the dirt. I made a, I made a prediction and it came true. I was correct. So did you, did you, Kelly, did you just pop your collar? 
I didn't mean to because <laughs> you, of that. That was a big ego thing just my, now. You're like, my prediction. The bottom prediction, of my okay. shirt was hung up on my belt. No, no, no. The bottom of my shirt was hung up on my belt. <laughs> I, don't, uh, I don't know. That was like a, my prediction came true and then you popped your collar a little bit and then no, no, no. <laughs> now you're telling no, me no, what no, happened. Adjusting. <laughs> Whatever. Um, so um, Machine Gun Kelly, rapper, artist, Machine Gun Kelly, who played Tommy Lee in the Dirt movie. Correct. Released pop punk record last week and it debuted at number one. Wow. First number one album. His fifth album in. His first number one is a pop punk record. It already, as of last week or whenever that news came out, it sold 160,000 copies in its first week, which, to be honest with you, in 2020, that's that's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot of sales, you know? So I can only imagine what the streams are. Um, so I guess so which I, I guess I'm curious what the reasoning for that being number one is. Is it because of his name and he the brand that he's built, or is it because he finally picked the right genre? Or I mean, there's there's also been probably a big changing in the times between his first record to now too. No matter what genre you're in. Yes. So maybe he's just peak, uh, peaking, and it just happens to be in this genre. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he has built a brand, but I think he has a really good fan base, and I think he went about this like I like I gave you that timeline of how all of these things happen. Um, working with Travis Barker, putting out. I mean, he killed quarantine. He killed it. I mean, he was super active. He was putting stuff out constantly. Right. Um, I think he can thank Eminem, to be honest. Look, without, without that, that beef, that battle, that back and forth, what really happens? You know, are we really talking about him as much as we are? Now, maybe he would have gone upon, he, he would have been on, the same trajectory musically, meaning he would have put out the album that he put out after that happened. Maybe that was still, that was always in the works. That was always the plan. Right. But it's still heavily motivated by, Oh, by the way, the biggest rapper in the game just so happened to mention me. And now I get to fire back. Uh, I think it has a lot to do with it. You know, but I think I think the reason the pop punk is working is because there is a whole total package that I've mentioned before that he's bringing with that that he always had anyway. Okay, the image, the stage presence, the 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 awareness on social media, he was always really good at that. He brought all of that to the table with a new sound that now his fans can his fans who weren't into that style before can absorb and then he can catch on to those fans that already did listen to that style of music. But it's not like any of the pop punk we've heard previously or that is out now because he doesn't have a pop punk voice. Right. Um, so I think it just all works, man. I just think it's, there's a whole lot of right place, right time involved too. I think like any, um sort of hit record goes but i think it's a lot of hard work 
or I think it's more hard work and it's more of the brand. Like you said, it's this, this package that he's put together. I wonder, Uh, I wonder if he should cross genre on albums or it, I mean, what do you, what do you think as far as that goes? Like, is it, is it smart to cross different genres throughout an album or is it smarter just to stay with one? Like if he's going the pop punk route right now, should that whole album be pop punk or should he have some older feeling stuff involved in the same album as would that, would that bring people from both genres, like fans of that genre over? Would it bring both of them towards that album or would they just shy away from it? Cause it's got stuff they don't really listen to much. It's hard to predict. Hmm. But what I do know is that he's already put out not pop punk necessarily, but pop rock songs on records that also had hip hop. So it's not like this is something completely new. And for the people that say that, I have to go, well, I don't, I think you need to go check out, especially his album called Bloom. I think you need to check out Bloom and you need to listen to a lot of the songs on that because they're very pop rock. Not all of them, but some of them. Um, Hotel Diablo, the last one he put out was all hip hop. But like I said, the genius thing that he did, and it might, again, it might not even be genius. It might just be fucking coincidence. But the thing that I think is genius that he did is he put out a pop punk song before he released an all hip hop record. And that song has since gone gold. And it, you know, he did it with a pop artist and Travis Barker was on it. So it exposed him to that sort of audience of that audience before releasing that hip hop record he did, which is a great introduction. That's kind of crazy though, right? Like he he puts out a single with a pop punk, but then he puts out a hip hop album. So is that him trying to push himself towards a different style? I guess a different fan base before putting out a hip hop album, hoping that that will cross people over. Does that make sense? It's not a bad idea. Not a bad idea. And I would say if I had to guess, I would say that's part of the motivation. Yes, definitely. Hmm. Definitely. That's interesting. Because look, interesting thought. I hadn't really thought about, about doing that because you're hitting more than one genre. And then if, you know, people in that pop punk fan base group like what you're putting out, then maybe even though the genre is different, maybe it'll push those people over towards the hip hop. Yeah, but he, the thing that's different, too, though, is he has the benefit of, of bringing over a pop audience to all of this stuff. So he's not necessarily just being limited to a pop punk audience. Right. With anything he puts out. Um, he's already had success in the top 40 world or in the mainstream world. So he's bringing those people along with him, along with all of his, his diehard fans, which he does have a lot of, he is a really good fan base and he's earned that. I mean, relentless touring through, you know, markets that not necessarily every artist goes to, he doesn't care to go play in Montana and Wyoming and North Dakota and places like that. He'll go do it. He'll fucking do it. He doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> um, but that's important because you have a lot of p- people that don't want to go to those areas because it's just not a big market. It doesn't matter. 
How, how, how much am I really gaining by doing this? Well, look, if word spreads that you care about all of your fans, not just a specific, you know, you know, subgroup of fans that only are in the, the hot markets where you're going to get the most exposure. If that word gets out, it's just as beneficial. So, um, is it though? So I mean, him, I mean, having... does that push like you, if you don't necessarily listen to or like an artist or a band or whatever, and then all of a sudden you hear that, Oh, well they, they, they are dedicated to their fans. They are dedicated to even going to the smaller markets and stuff like that. Would that make you listen to the music? Or would it just make you respect that artist more, which I guess might push you towards their music more? I think it would do a little bit of both. Well, let okay. me ask you this. So let's go back to a conversation we just had. Of all styles of music and all types of bands and artists, which kind do you think is most likely to go play, say, a county fair in South Dakota? Is this a legit question? Yeah. So wait, what do you, you said? We had this conversation already. What what's the what do you mean? Who like are you? Should you be giving examples what kind of, here? What kind of bands did we? What kind of bands did we talk about on the last? Oh, episode? you're just talking about butt rock. Yeah. And what did we say about butt rock bands? Loyal, loyal, loyal fucking fans that spend money. So MGK's hitting that same type of market. Those same type of people, the county fairs in South Dakota, right? The small clubs in, in Cheyenne, okay? You do well at those places, that word spreads and those people keep spending money on you. Okay. Okay. I gotcha. Not to mention he also throws a festival every year in Ohio that it's, it's a multi-genre festival but it appeals to those people what festival is that it's called est fest i've he's never done heard it for I... the last yeah he's done it for the last like five years now i want to say but the people that go to that show aren't necessarily your backpack wearing hip-hop too too cool for school fans they're the people that will go to a butt rock festival <laughs> And go wait in line to see. I, I'm telling you. I gotcha. YouTube videos, YouTube crowd interaction videos from EST Fest. Dare I say there might be some juggalos there? That's all I'm saying. So when you when you can capture that audience along with the pop audience and the you know the crossover mainstream audience, how can you lose? Right. You know. That's why I thought the pop punk record was going to do well. That's why I predicted that him putting out a pop punk record would do well is because he's already hit both sides of the market, both sides of the equation. Um, Random question, so, but is Ohio like a popular place for festivals? Isn't there another, isn't there a few big festivals that are done in Ohio? Uh, I mean, rock on the range, right? That was one of them I was thinking of every year. Um, beyond that, I'm sure there, there's, there are some other ones that happen. I don't necessarily know what they are. You've been to rock on the range, haven't you? Yeah. I only know rock on the range. Uh, what am I thinking about it? No. Yeah. That's the only one I know. Okay. 
So like, how was that set up? Like, cause I mean, there's a ass load of people at the, that festival. Like where, how was that set up as far as, I mean, what kind of air, what kind of area is it in? I don't know where it's been. So when I went, which was a long time ago, it was at the um, soccer stadium there, the MLS stadium. Oh, it was inside. So, it was inside. No, it's an outdoor state. It's an open air stadium. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. Um. So the main stage was in the stadium. So they had the entire ground area of the stadium along with seats. And then they had, I want to say two or three stages outside of that where the side stage bands would play. So it would be kind of like a back and forth type thing on each, each of those stages. Gotcha. Um, so a general admission ticket would get you access to all of the above. So, hmm. uh, which was really cool. It was, it was a fun, it was a fun, it's a fun festival to go to for sure. Um, I think it'll be like played. 20, you think it'd be like 2022 uh, before we see another festival? Um, I don't know. You never know. I think, I think if you, well, I think we've talked about this. It's really hard to predict, but I mean, if you do it, outdoors i don't know i don't know man. <laughs> you just can't have people yeah i don't know i think sturgis might have ruined that I, I i don't know you can't have people on top of people right now it's just not gonna fly right um i don't, I don't know if you did it in a place like south dakota or the ozarks <laughs> doesn't seem to be stopping them I feel, I feel like you got to get there. I feel like people's opinions on it. You know, you've got both sides. Some people don't believe that the numbers are real. They don't believe in the, some people probably don't even believe in the virus. And then you've got the other people who are like deathly scared of it. Wear your mask everywhere, all this other kind of stuff. But I feel like a lot of that might be changing now that the president has come out and says that he has it and then comes out and makes Does he? he did. I don't know if he's over it now or not. Are, are you sure are, about that? Or are you saying that this might be conspiracy that he's saying he does? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I do know that the video that I saw after he was released from the hospital when he was like standing up on the steps or whatever and like the camera crew, he did not look comfortable. <laughs> Meaning so you, he didn't look like he could breathe. Didn't look like he could breathe. Is that what you said? Yeah. He didn't look like he was, he looked like he was struggling. Like he had COVID is what you're saying? Uh, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Or maybe he swallowed some fucking spray on tan. I don't, I, I, I don't know, but, um, I don't, I, I don't know. It, it, it seems to be a real thing. So I'm not, I, but him having it, that could go either way. I mean, should we should we all really just believe that he had it or that he has it? Should we all just go, yep, makes sense? Or should we all question and go, okay, when's the election? It's coming up in a couple weeks. Does this help him get votes? Does it win over sympathy with perhaps the people who are in the middle and don't know who they're going to vote for yet? Maybe. 
But wh- why, why, why does that win votes, though? Because it's like, oh, even the president can get it, and he says it's not that big of a deal? Sympathy goes a long way, man. So if you have those people who are in the middle weren't really sure who they were going to vote for, and our president's sick with something that's killing hundreds of thousands of people, they might go, okay, I'm just going to vote for him out of sympathy. You can't, you can't kill that human emotion. That's, that's a, I, that's I, a human instinct that we all have. I get it, but I guess, I'm not saying it's going to win him the election, <laughs> but it's, a, it. it's a legitimate thought to have. I get it. I, Look, I just, I just, I just think that this election's different because it's like down the middle. You either have people that are on the very far on the Trump train or as far opposite of the Trump train as you can get. And if you're in the middle, it's mainly because you don't really want to vote for either. <laughs> I don't think there's too much of a middle ground where it's like, I don't know who to vote for. It's more like, a, I don't really want to vote for either. So the lesser of the two evils or something along those lines. I mean, yeah, that's the middle ground that I'm talking about. But also there are people who are kind of live, live their life in the middle politically anyway. Right. You know, and those are the people that you can prey upon. You know, you can feed into those those natural human emotions that they have where they go, well, per, you know, I mean, look, it, if he says he has COVID and he legitimately was sick with it, for those thousands of people that might be in the middle that perhaps had a family member that was inflicted with the, the virus, they're going to go, I'm going to make that connection and I'm just going to vote for Trump. You know? Yeah, I get it. I'm not saying that's a dumb, I'm not saying that's dumb, but there are people who will take that simplistic approach when it comes to who they're going to vote for. Right. You know? I get it. So again, I'm not saying that he didn't have it. I'm not saying that he did. I don't know. But I'm saying if he didn't, there is a legitimate legitimate reason to say, to lie about having it. You know? The one thing I am sure of is that for those people out there that were like, I've seen it. I saw it on Twitter and I hope he dies and people like posting memes of like him in a coffin and stuff. It's like, Jesus Christ. Like what kind of, what, what kind of life are you living that you can put that kind of energy out into the universe? Right. And not expect something in return. You know, it's bizarre. It's bizarre. And I, I mean, I saw, I saw people that I legitimately legitimately follow because they're like an acquaintance, you know, posting shit like this. And I'm like, really? Like, I'm not going to block you and I'm not going to not follow you because that's just the immature thing to do. I'm just going to not pay attention to you. But like, really? Right. <laughs> there's, I don't know that I necessarily believe in karma, but if there's something with the universe, I've seen it before. Like, I mean, I've seen things happen way too fast to not believe that there's something out there that gets you for being like that. I 100% agree with that. And I'll take it a step further. I believe in positive and negative energy. And when you put, I've experienced it, to be honest with you. And I, I, I can't, I don't know necessarily why something happened the way that it happened but i have put negative energy out into the universe and i have experienced bad things now it'd be i can't prove that that was the reason right but i can sure feel that way you know 
I've, 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 I've experienced it both ways where something positive happened and I felt it was because for quite some time I was being setting a positive example and being a positive person and not being a shithead. Um, and believe me, I can be both. Um, <laughs> so I believe in that 100%. I, I believe in feeding off of the energy that you put out into the world, you know, and I think it, but I also try to treat people the way that I want to be treated, which I think is a great start to that. Um, so me fucking wishing bad things upon anyone, especially the president. It's just, it's, it's, um, it's bizarre. Now I will say that I wish Colby Covington would get punched in the face, but that's because he does that for a living. He did. He does that for a living. <laughs> for so. some for some reason, karma is different when it comes to talking about some MMA fighters. And he, he does it for a living. I mean, he signs up for it, so I can say that. Now, like when um, when you okay when you talk about when you talk bad about somebody else who's talking bad about somebody else or being a shithead, then I think it's it's it almost it blurs the lines a little bit. It makes it a little okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think it's okay. Um, Speaking of him, I think the the Masvidal fight's going to happen. So how soon do like not on the not on this card, right? That's coming up. No, I saw UFC two fifty six. So we're coming up on UFC two fifty four, which is October twenty okay. fourth. So UFC two fifty six would be the last one. So December, of the year. December, possibly early January, depending on how they fall. No, it's December 12th. Oh, it is already set. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, and the reason that they think it's going to happen is because, uh, Kamaru Usman is not ready to fight Gilbert Burns. He pulled out or didn't, I guess, sign the contract. So he says he needs more time. Oh, that was his, that was his, uh, reasoning was needs more time. Like is he, I guess he's not been able to have a, a legitimate training camp maybe. That, and I think he's recovering from, from some injuries too. Okay. So that's just what I heard. Um, okay. I haven't seen him say that necessarily, but you know, from obviously the most trusted MMA sources out there, that's where I get that information from. So Helwani and Fred Okamoto and guys like that. Um, so that fight's not going to happen. I don't think they're going to give Burns another fight. I think they're just going to let it, let it ride. And then, so, the, the the obvious choice for either a headliner or another fight to add on that card would be Colby Covington and Masvidal. That right. fight has to happen. I just I have to see that fight happen. So um, what is what is so Mas, I, I, what what does Colby do if he loses to Masvidal? Does he just shut up and go away, or fall down the rankings enough to not wait to where we don't have to deal with him much more anymore? Until he, until he works well, his way back he, up or. I mean, how far does he realistically fall if he loses to Masvidal? You know, not that far. And he's going to have to use that character to get another high profile fight. Especially if Masvidal finishes him. Right. That'd be two in a row. Well, two out of your last three, you've been finished. Um, I'm not saying that Masvidal can do it. I mean, he can, but I'm not saying he will. Um, I don't think he falls far. I don't think he falls far. 
So, so we had uh, to switch gears a little bit on fights. You know, I guess it was last episode that we talked about the Gagey and Khabib fight. Maybe it was before that, and we had talked about possible Michael Chandler, who's coming over from Bellator, who hasn't had a fight yet in the UFC, but just recently came over from Bellator, possibly being the stand-in for that fight if something were to happen to where that fight can't happen, which we're only two weeks away from it now, right? The 24th? Which anybody yeah. listening, if they are interested in it and don't want to buy the fight or want to hear some commentary along with watching the fight, we will be doing the MMA on the mic, me, you, and our buddy Matt. So should be on our... uh should be on the CEP Facebook page and YouTube as well through Media Outlaws. Um, but anyways, yeah, so the Gagey and Khabib fight, if that something were to happen to where one of those would have to jump out of the fight, then Michael Chandler was supposed to be stepping in with that. Now you're telling me that he that's possibly off the table because Chandler may have another fight set up already. Yeah, well, no, he got called out by another fighter who's going to be fighting on the card. Um, originally, Rafael Dos Anjos was going to fight Islam Makachev. Um, RDA tested positive for COVID, I believe. So now Makachev does not have an opponent, and he called out Chandler on Twitter. Um, but I, don't, I haven't seen Chandler respond. I certainly would. Look, if I could be a stand-in, and just be known as the guy who could possibly stand in. I'd much rather do that than fight some monster in Abu Dhabi. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. For my first fight, I I would just let it ride if I was him. But also, or but, but also think about the difference in like if I was Michael Chandler, my first fight in the UFC, the biggest MMA organization in the world. I don't think I'm going to want my first fight to be a stand or a, a fight that I jump in on two weeks' notice. You make a statement maybe if you come in and you win, but if you are possibly a stand-in for a huge fight like Khabib and Gagey, if that, I mean, you know what I mean? I, I don't know. I don't know what you choose on that one. And you have to think that his training, if he's been doing any kind of a camp just in case that fight were to happen, then he's he's looking for a Gagey and Khabib style, not. Well, Makachev's going to be the same style as Khabib. He's the same, same thing. It's the same thing. Um, okay. It, it is. It is. I mean, okay. they, they're training partners. Okay. Um, but let me ask you this. How many casual fans knew who Al Iaquinta was before he stepped in and fought Khabib when Tony Ferguson was out? Probably not many if you're talking casual. Zero. I'm throwing that number out there. Zero. And he stayed in. He stayed within the topic of the conversation for basically a year and a half until Cowboy beat him. So, I mean, if you're Michael Chandler, you look at that situation and go, "Well, look, if I step in on, you know, however much notice, and I put up a good fight and I lose, what, 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 what really happens to me other than people going, wow, that guy.'" put up a really good effort for stepping in on short notice and losing to Khabib. I guess losing to Justin Gage. I guess that depends on, and it's hard to tell because it's a UFC and we know that ranking system sucks anyways, but how do you, how do you think Michael Chandler ranks right now or just unranked because he hasn't had a fight in the UFC? Cause they, yeah, there's no way for him to be ranked. But when he comes in, 
you know, like, so if you have a fighter that's in the UFC, they always say, okay, well, you have, this guy has 15 professional fights. And a lot of those could be fights that um, if UFC absorbed another organization or something like that, or something, something along, along those lines, those count. So if Michael Chandler comes in in his first fight, do they say, well, he's got this many professional fights because he was with Bellator? Yeah, those count as pro fights. Why wouldn't they? I don't know. I'm just curious. Yeah, that's how it works. Any of those organizations, I mean, they're but there are lesser organizations than Bellator. Those fights count right. as pro fights. Right. Okay. I was just curious. The I didn't know. Are, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah. But, but Dude, my, my, my question is, there's no way that he's ranked right now because he hasn't had a fight in the UFC. But if he comes in and he loses, what do they... You know, I, 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 how do people look at him? How does the UFC look at him? Is my my point. You know, right now he right, right now he hasn't had a fight yet, but he's a possible stand-in for the biggest fight of the year. But if he comes in and doesn't fight that fight, fights somebody else, loses, where what do you do? You know, it's it's crazy. Well, look, he doesn't get looked at. He doesn't even get considered as a stand-in without being a world-class fighter. Right. For so sure. The UFC already knows. He's already made a name for himself. So I think even if he does step in and he loses, it doesn't really do anything. I think he's in the same position he was before. The UFC still considers him to be an elite guy that could fight anyone in the lightweight division right now, in the top 15 for sure, um, and could do well. You know, Like I said before, I wish he had come over when Eddie Alvarez did. Right. Um, he's, getting up, he's getting older. He's had uh, – He's had some rough fights, and and I think his last, I'd say out of his last four fights, two of those have been rough. Um, You know, getting knocked out by Pitbull. Um, That first fight with Brent Primus was odd, to say the least, but he got dropped a couple of times in that fight. So, look, it hasn't been an easy go for him as as of late. So, and if I'm him, and I do step in to fight in that fight, this is going to sound crazy, but if I'm him, I'd much rather fight Khabib than Gaethje. That's just my opinion. If I were him, that's what I would want. I would want a guy who's going to try to wrestle me and try to bulldog me, and I don't want a guy who's going to want to stand there and trade bombs like Justin Gaethje would. That's bad for Michael Chandler's brain. Bad for anyone's <laughs> brain. That's why, that's why this fight is going to be so exciting between Khabib and Gaethje is just because we know how Gaethje fights. Um, and I, you know what I did, I heard something interesting and I went back and did the research. So I was listening to Josh Thompson and big John McCarthy's podcast, and they were talking about these wrestling credentials that Justin Gaethje seems to have within the MMA community and people talking about them. And they said, you know, he's a good wrestler or he's a good, well, okay. He's a good wrestler. And he's a decent MMA wrestler, but he's had trouble with MMA wrestling in the past. And they mentioned two fights he had in uh, World Series of Fighting um, that he got beat in the wrestling game um, by two guys. So I went back and looked for them to see if I could find them on YouTube, and he he got out wrestled. You know, but they impose their will it, with it, the wrestling. It's so hard. And these are guys that are in the UFC. They're not Khabib. So all this talk about, yeah, he's an elite wrestler. He just doesn't use it. 
okay, well, okay. And and I get it, but also how many years ago was that? The World Series of Fighting Fights. How how long ago was that? Uh, four years ago, I guess. See, that's what I'm saying. Like, when it comes to all the training camps you go through, all the training that you do and things like that, you were a completely different fighter four years in you know, from now. So, so you think he's a better wrestler now than he was then? I'm not I don't know because I haven't really seen it that much, but I'm saying that there's a good possibility that he is. Because it's four it's four years later, and if he knows that four years ago this is something he had issues with, you don't think he worked on that? Working on it in training camp and then using it in a fight against Khabib is are two different things. And they are universes apart. You know, I I just think that, or galaxies apart, I should say. I just think that... uh, Are you you saying that just because it's Khabib himself? Because you have to think that in training camp, they are pulling in guys who are as close to Khabib as they can get or have as close to a style as Khabib that they can get to, to mimic him as much as possible. Yeah, but that only goes so far. You're not in an actual fight. You're sparring. Right, right. Look, I get it. That's why they train. And it, yeah, okay, yes. It is because it's Khabib. Yes. <laughs> That's okay. what I kind of figured. I was going to try to weasel my way out of that one and try to like, but no, you're right. It, it's because of Khabib. Um, no, it's 100% because of Khabib. So like preparing, we've we've seen that guys have tried to prepare, prepare for that style and they just, Connor did okay in one round of their fight. You know, he had some uh, some good takedown defense there, and it, it worked for him. You know, in round only... three, he won that round because of his takedown defense, and he was able to land a couple of shots. And I think the, the blueprint for how to beat Khabib is there. It's just doing it. Right. It's easier said than done, and it's just being able to execute at the right time. No one's been able to do it. Yeah, because, you know? and this is going to sound stupid, but it's so much about the defense and the offense working exactly the way you need it to. Like you said, executing on offense as far as actually landing strikes when you desperately need to land strikes versus, and also trying to stand on your feet while doing that. And you know, a lot of the ground game too, knowing like he Khabib swallows you when he, when you're on the ground. So it, he has, he has these ways of to where you can't do a whole lot while you're on the ground. So it seems like while yeah. you're standing, that's when you've got to really take advantage of stuff if you can. Yeah. And I mean, really, there's only been two guys to do it. It's been Connor and Poye had a little bit of success in the second round of his fight with Khabib. He landed a big shot, uh, threw some combinations. But as soon as he did that, Khabib took him down. You know, and that's the problem is even for a guy like Gaethje, who is, you know, accepts danger with open arms. But it's gonna it's got I, I can't imagine there's there's not that sort of thing in the back of his head that's telling him as soon as I throw strikes, he's gonna shoot for a takedown or right. he's gonna try to take me down. Right. And it just limits the amount of offense that you're actually able to um inflict. And isn't uh I mean I don't Gaethje I, seems to think that he has the recipe, but I don't know without looking at their actual stats as far as height and all that goes and reach. But if I had to guess, Gagey's quite a bit smaller than Khabib, right? 
Would you assume that if you were just, if you don't have them side by side with each other? I would not assume that. So let's look it up. You wouldn't. Okay. Well, the reason why I say that is because that's, that might have a lot to do with it too. Like you say, he's got in the back of his head. Okay. If I do a, if I strike, he's going to try to take me down. And if Khabib has quite a bit of reach advantage or height advantage over him, I feel like that's a recipe for taking him down when you're striking. Well, you want me to spoil your part, uh, your fun right now? Oh, am I wrong? Is Gagey bigger? Gagey's 5'11", Khabib's 5'10". They have the same reach. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, that does throw a wrench into things there. So there goes that. There goes that. <laughs> there, goes, there goes that science to this fucking fight that no one will be able to predict. The easiest prediction is going to say that Khabib's going to be Khabib and he's going to win the way Khabib wins. Right. You know, I think that's the easiest prediction to make. And look, until he's proven wrong or until we're proven wrong, that's, I think that's the, what everyone should just assume is going to happen in his fights. Right. You know, someone can land a lucky shot. But like uh, that that's the one that always comes up, right? The Michael, uh, what's his last name? Michael Johnson. Yeah, Michael Johnson. That's the one that always comes up saying that he got one good shot in on Khabib. And, and like they say it, that's the main one that's rocked him in a fight. It staggered him. Yeah, it staggered him. Yeah, yeah. But I think that one too caught it, it caught him by surprise. Um. I didn't think Khabib really thought he was going to get hit by Michael Johnson. Right. To be honest, I think, he, you know, I think with Connor, he was a little bit more alert. And with Poirier, he was a little bit more alert because there was the, I, I just think he, he had a better idea of what was coming. I think with Michael Johnson, I think he, he is bigger than Michael Johnson. I think he was just going to, he thought he was going to impose his will, but you know, I'll, I'll, you know, these, I shouldn't even say, I mean, Poirier's came out of, didn't come out of nowhere, but it caught him by surprise too. He just took it better. Right. Um, I think in the back of his mind, he's thinking about Poirier striking, you know, it's going to be a fun fight. I'm excited for it. I, I if it turns into a wrestling match, I just, I, I, I don't feel good about Gaethje's chances, regardless of all these, these guys that are saying, Oh, he's a great wrestler. I, but I, you know when I hear people say that, and I won't say names, but you probably know who I'm talking about. But there's a guy who always talks about it. When he says it, I go, when have you seen him wrestle? Because right. I know you weren't watching him fight in World Series of Fighting. Right. And he's not wrestled an ounce in the UFC. So when, <laughs> what is this wrestling pedigree you know of? Like, where, where are you getting this from? I feel like they're okay, just... Okay, he wrestled in college, but like... I feel like they're How just... many guys in the UFC wrestled in college? You know? Yeah. I don't know. I, I just, I guess I feel like they're kind of regurgitating from someone else. I don't know who that other person yeah. is, but I feel like it's something that they've been told and they're like, oh yeah, that sounds good. Let's, let's keep that train rolling. Let's keep, or they're just trying to really be on his side and just trying to give Gagey the benefit of the doubt. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, you know, who's not going to be a stand in for that fight? And he's the new Colby Covington. Tony Ferguson. Oh, just because of his mouthing on Twitter. Homeboy. Homeboy has lost his mind. It doesn't make sense to me. It does. Like, I understand you have to drum up a storyline. Like, there's a little bit of a storyline there regardless. But I, 
and I understand you've got, you have to, if you're trying to build something, you got to start somewhere, but it's not mouthing the person who beat the living piss out of you. Yeah. Don't start with Justin Gaethje. To say that you're going to take, he's not the one bro. To to say that you're going to take the belt from the guy that just beat the piss out of you. What? Yeah. Uh, what don't that don't start with him maybe start with khabib because you never fought him and that was the fight you were supposed right. to have yeah but don't yeah, don't start with gaichi that that ain't the right direction to go everybody's looking at that going no that ain't that he ain't the one bro you need to pick somebody else <laughs> so now he's moved on to poirier and connor you know he called connor an international terrorist because i guess po- poirier you know connor mcgregor too is a reality now I guess it's going to happen. It looks like in January. It doesn't look like they're going to get it done this year, but that's going to be a great fight, man. Um, that is a fight I'm looking forward to seeing. But because Tony Ferguson likes to say these nerdy things like Colby Covington, I'm looking forward to see him fighting anyone right now. I want to see how he rebounds from that loss to Gaethje. You know, um, which if you're him, how how you, you got to be kicking yourself in the dick going. Why didn't I just hold out for Khabib? Why? Do we, why did I agree? I mean, we. I think we why, had a whole. Why did I do it? I think we had a whole episode on this before it happened. Before think? the Gagey and Ferguson fight happened, I think we talked about this about how it's such a risk <clears throat> to do that to take that fight instead, but he chose to do it, and now he's trying to weasel his way back into that conversation somewhere. He's just in my. My personal opinion, not taking the right route. No, he's not, but he's still in the conversation. You know, he's had yeah. one loss in his last 12 fights or whatever. Right. He's definitely in the conversation. I mean, he's in the conversation more. He should be in the conversation more than Connor. I don't necessarily think he should be in the conversation more than Poye. Is Poye, look, the dude is a fucking warrior. That fight with Dan Hooker is one of the best fights you're ever going to see. He proved once again that he can take the damage and can can sort of see it through and win a fight. And Yeah, he lost to Khabib, but he lost to Khabib the same way everyone loses to Khabib. Right. You know? But, he's, but Tony Ferguson's still in the conversation, for sure. Um, he just needs to find a better way to get, call call out someone else. Those four guys you don't need to be calling out right now, <laughs> you know, just pick someone, pick anyone else, pick, pick Michael Chandler, you know, there you go. That Actually, that he, would be, that would be cool. I think I even saw someone say that, but he should be calling out Michael Chandler. I want to welcome you into the UFC. Right. I'm maybe that's say, a I'm, bad idea too. Why? I don't know. Maybe it, I, I, but if he loses to an unranked guy, albeit a world-class guy that came from an organization, he was a champion, but if he loses to him, Jesus Christ. That fight with Khabib's even further away now. Uh, you have a point. But I don't know. I don't know. Maybe not. I mean, if it's a good fight, you're fighting basically an unranked fighter. So how does how much does that really affect you in the UFC's eyes, especially if it's a good fight? Mm, it, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think it looks worse than losing to Poirier or you know. I, who, who, who else is there? Let me look up the, the lightweight rankings. I mean, I think Chandler would be a good choice, but, you know, he wants to stay within the – I mean, what is he ranked? Let's look it up. I got I to gotta find this out. I want to say he's still ranked second or something. 
Who? He couldn't have fallen that far. Uh, Ferguson. So, I can't, well, maybe Chandler's not a logical call out. So, Justin Gaethje, Dustin, po oh, Dustin Poirier's ranked ahead of Tony Ferguson. Really? So, it goes Khabib, Justin Gaethje, Dustin Poirier, Tony Ferguson, Dan Hooker. That's that, that'd be a good, you know, fight for him. Conor McGregor, Charles Oliveira, Paul Felder, Diego Pereira, Al Iaquinta, Kevin Lee. But see, I, and I, I, I understand that it's a big deal that Chandler came over. I understand that he's a, a great fighter and everything, but still it's almost, it, it goes back to my thought process has always been, you got to earn it. So I almost feel like he should start out with somebody who's in the, say, I don't know, 10 to fit ranked 10 to 15 somewhere around in there then if he runs through that guy then you bump up you know and work your way back up to the to the top now it's it's crazy it's still crazy to me that he comes in and they're like oh yeah uh number one and number two guy if if one of those bails out you can have that fight what better way to prove yourself man i get it but i agree i mean he's not going to get an easy fight to start especially when you consider what they did to Eddie Alvarez. So I'm looking up Eddie Alvarez. I, I'm pretty sure. Hang on. Uh, where's his record? Here it is. So Eddie Alvarez, his first fight in the UFC was Donald Cerrone. Okay. That's his first fight in the UFC coming from Bellator. Then he fights Gilbert Melendez and Anthony Pettis. Beats both of them, gets the title shot against RDA. Then he fights Connor. Then he has Dustin Poirier, Justin Gaethje, Dustin Poirier. Talk about getting thrown to the wolves. Yeah, but look what he what? did to RDA too. I don't think anybody expected yeah. that. No, definitely. I don't think so. No, that fight was on a Thursday night. That was part of the UFC 200 weekend. Oh, it was? And that was the main event of a Thursday night card. Like, yeah, that was a throwaway fight. Like no one was. No one was really looking forward to it, so yeah, it. it I was that, but. just the, the two two different sides of the spectrum from that fight with RDA to the fight with Connor. Like how dominant yeah. he was against RDA, and then how he just got toyed with. Connor just made him look so bad. I, I don't even. It's, uh, it was that was weird. Crazy. It was weird, man. It had to, like it, it's it, it's one of those things where Con he got into his head. Like you, you knew going into the fight, he got into his head. I think that, I think that played a big, Maybe, I'm not saying but, all of it. I'm saying, but part of it. And I just, I don't think he's yeah. ever been, I don't think he's been able to do that with Khabib. Like he's tried. No. Who Connor? Yeah. He's tried to get in Khabib's no, head, no, but he, it hasn't worked. No, he just pissed Khabib off. <laughs> he's turned him into a murderer. No, no, no. no. Uh, you know, he just turned Khabib into a criminal, man. Um, but yeah, I just think at that time, Connor was riding. He, he was just, he was at his peak. He's at the apex of Connor McGregor. And I just think when Eddie got hit by him, it was just a different thing. I just think he was like, holy shit, I did not expect <laughs> this. But I always go back to what if Connor had fought RDA? Right. RDA never gets hurt, he never fights Nate. He fights RDA. What happens? Especially, he especially if loses. he, especially if he loses to RDA, 
do we have right. I mean, do, we, do we even do we even know who conor mcgregor is that's what i'm saying if he loses to rda he's got to stay at featherweight and defend that that title at least once you know um uh, it's bizarre it's crazy <laughs> i don't know but i'm i'm looking forward to all of this especially the khabib and gaethje fight um it's gonna be it's gonna be fun, man. That's good. It's crazy to think about that. That's so close too. It seemed like when when Gaethje beat Ferguson, it seemed like him fighting Khabib was gonna be so far away. You know, now it's actually here. Right. Two so. week, two weeks away, man. Like I said, anybody who's listening that wants to hear some commentary, we shall be on the YouTubes and the CEPs, and we'll have I guess one or two more episodes of Raised on the Radio to promote that show too. Before it actually happens, but it's going to be weird to see you in person. Because we're actually going to get together for this yeah. one. Well, yeah. I'll be wearing a mask. Will you really? I'll have two. <laughs> okay. I'm not, uh, hey, I'm, tr- I'm not bad mouthing you for it. I'm just, I didn't expect it. I'm not going to wear a mask. Oh, okay. Especially not while we're streaming live i didn't know no i didn't know definitely not i thought i figured it was gonna be hard to drink beer while you're wearing a mask but i don't know i figured you'd make it work yeah something (laughs) well after two shameless plugs i think we can we can get out of here yeah let's do it and we're out